And now, coming to you from the gleaming spires of Chicago, broadcasting throughout the multiverse, the Nine Realms, Niflheim, Svartalfheim, Olympus, Nidaveller, basically anywhere that has the internet, really, we proudly present Radio 3 Asgard. And hello, everybody, and welcome to Radio Free Asgard. This is episode number 221 of the only Thor podcast hosted by a true descendant of Odin. My name is Tom Harris, and I'm coming at you, as always, from beautiful Chicago, Illinois, where it is beautiful, almost disconcertingly beautiful as of late. Uh, Been in the 50s and 60s here in the middle of December, which, you know, it's not unheard of to have a warmer early December weather, but, you know, you'd think that by now, at least, we would have had, you know, some snow. Well, we've had some snow, but it didn't stick, obviously, and here we are with a green Christmas upcoming here, and uh, yeah, so here we are. All right, so, uh, you know, don't have a lot to talk about here at the top of the show. Once again, you know, not a lot of Thor news coming out. The new Thor book uh, is now out, I believe. The first issue is now out, the Girl Thor book. And we'll be looking at that, but not for a while yet. Quite a while, as it it turns out. But we are going to be looking at something new this week and something I kind of teased over on Twitter. If you don't uh, follow us over on Twitter, you should. Our Twitter name is at Radio Free Asgard. It's not like it's hard to remember, you know, it's not like it's hard to remember anything. <laughs> Everything is Radio Free Asgard. You can also email the show if you want to. The uh, email address, what, what do you think it is? It's Radio Free Asgard at gmail.com. want to do a real quick shout out here to uh, Kirk Greenfield, who uh, does the Imperious Rocks podcast. Hey, Kirk, nice to see you. And uh, yeah, Kirk and I have been chatting over the last week. And I have another uh, little piece of news I'm not quite ready to announce yet, but we'll, uh, we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there eventually. It's uh, something about maybe be, uh, being on somebody else's show. So that, that ought to be fun. But uh, yeah, I'm not quite ready to talk about that quite yet. All right. So uh, we are going to be covering something different this week. You know, we kind of wrapped up that last uh, World Beyond story back in the Bronze Age of Thor. And we are going to be shifting gears dramatically now and coming to the very newest, most exciting Norse comics event of the last few months. And I mean, of course, Walt Simonson's Ragnarok series. So yeah, for the next six weeks, we are going to cover the original six-issue limited series. And we're starting right now. Cross the rainbow bridge of Asgard, where the booming heavens roar. You'll behold in breathless wonder. Ragnarok is here. Can you tell I'm excited? Yes, I'm excited. Yeah, this is going to be a great read. Now, um, I will say over the last two years, I have had the, the privilege of being Facebook friends with Mr. Simonson and being able to see some of the work that's coming into this book in advance. I mean, you know, sometimes it's just a structure drawing, sometimes, you know, more finished drawings. And 
it all has been really just amazingly fantastic. This has been just when looking forward, so forward to covering this that I actually rushed out right away and grabbed this book as soon as it came out. I got the the hardcover, Walter Simonson, Ragnarok, Last God Standing. It's volume one. And of course, there is more to come. Now, the uh, series published by IDW, Walt Simonson is the writer, artist, inker. We've got Laura Martin doing the colors and John Workman doing the lettering. And the cover of issue number one shows a man with a red hair and beard and he's holding a hammer drawn back with lightning cascading off of it yeah it's recognizably thor but it's not any thor that we've seen before on this program and he is facing off against a giant worm dragon thing which can only be described as the midgard serpent as far as i'm concerned it's interesting how there is a continuity here between the Midgard Serpent in the Ragnarok series and the way that, that Simonson drew the Midgard Serpent in Marvel's store. There actually is a lot of similarity to it. Maybe, it, you know, I, I just like that design and maybe just he likes that design because it is actually very similar. It's not identical, but again, I, I think that it's just this amazing cover. I can't speak enough about, you know, the, the dynamism of the cover. The colors are, are just freaking amazing. And uh, just incredibly dynamic. And we open up to the splash page. And we actually open during the Battle of Ragnarok. And we have some excerpts here from the Elder Edda, from the Vala's prophecy. Vala knows the future. More does she see of the victorious god's terrible fall. The crags are sundered. The troll wives sink. The dead throng hellway and the heavens are cloven. And we see various Norse gods and they are in battle with trolls. We have Fenrir the wolf. And we have, uh, obviously, it's, it's Odin here trying to spear Fenrir in the mouth with Gungnir. And we have the Norns standing sort of in the background wailing. There's just a lot going on on this page. Uh, volcanoes erupting everywhere. <laughs> I don't know how that happens, but I guess, you know, in the end of the world, so I guess volcanoes would be erupting everywhere. And, of course, the armies of Asgard facing off in the final battle here. And uh, we then uh, have a beautiful double-page spread of Odin standing on the sort of rocky hill with his hammer in hand and lightning cascading off. This is like the cover, but it's slightly different. Uh, view of the cover. Uh, this could have been, uh, you know, a few minutes before the, the actual cover. And the title of the story is Terminus. The dead throngs hellway and the heavens are cloven. Comes forth the glorious offspring of earth. The bright snake gapes to heaven above. Against the serpent goes Odin's son. And anger smites the warder of earth. Forth from their homes must all men flee. Nine paces fares the son of Fjorgen, and slain by the serpent, fearlessly Thor sinks. The sun turns black, earth sinks into the sea, the hot stars down from heaven are whirled. Fierce grows the stream and the life-feeding flame, till fire leaps high above heaven itself. And we see the, the fight against 
the Midgard Serpent as as it happens, as as the narration is going on. Once again, we get this huge scene of battle, and and Jormungand is rising up out of the ocean, and you see you know lots of uh, bodies in the water, and of, of course the armies are are fighting. And as this goes on, we see Mjolnir is is thrown through Jormungand's head. And we see also you know, Jormungand is kind of going down into the water. And of course, Thor has been poisoned by Jormungand's venom and, and he's been slain. And we see you know, Jormungand sinking back down and everything going dark. And then we have the, the flames kind of leaping up from the ground, like it says in the narration. And all is dark. And then a small voice pierces the silence. Don't go, Mama. And it turns out to be a dark elf child. We've arrived on a completely different place, obviously. Uh, we're not in the battle anymore. Hush, Snowflake. There is nothing to worry about. I don't want you to go, Mama. I will be home before you know it, Drifa, and I need you to look after Papa while I'm gone. But now give me a kiss, and we'll pretend that Nott is coming to wrap you in her strong arms and bring you sleep. Good night, Snowflake. And she goes out of the child's bedroom, and there's a, uh, I guess, a male dark elf here. Brynja, a gentle sleeping spell, Regan. She'll dream sweet dreams till morn. Perhaps you shouldn't spell my sleep as well, dear. My dreams are of a different sort, full of iron and blood. You are funny, Regan. Our lives have been full of iron and blood for centuries. Have you no faith in your own teaching? I learned from the master. You were my best pupil, sweetheart. But we have always traveled together before. We did not have Drifa before, love. And you know that I am as good as you ever were. Perhaps even better. Hmm? Well, I do know better than to argue with you, Brynja. We've been assassins for the great enemies for a long time. We've killed humans who threaten the order of things. We've killed fairies who tried to bring light. We've killed lesser enemies who broke their pledges. Yes, but this is different. That's because this reward is beyond our imagining, Ring. And when I return, we can finally retire. You shall fish the rivers of Fjergomir, and I will hunt the four stags in the ruins of Yggdrasil. And Rifa will grow to become the most beautiful black elf in all the Dusklands. If you are so worried about the future, say a prayer to Odin for me. Do not speak so lightly, Brynja. All father is dead. Hell itself is broken open. There is no future any more. And as this conversation goes on, we see um, Brynja is she's dressing in various pieces of armor, and she's getting her her uh, horse tackled up and, and ready to go. And she's got this. Um, she she gets on the horse and the horse is this bizarre looking creature. Um, I, I guess you could call it a horse. It, it's not very horse like, but it does look a lot like some of the uh, the wooden uh, fronts of of some of the Viking ships that I've seen. And it's um, got this strange uh, shape of of a, of a mouth, and the teeth aren't vertical like you would normally think of a like a dragon's teeth or, or something like that certainly not anything like a horse's teeth but it's got all these needle sharp fangs just sticking straight out and and it looks like it would not be very pleasant to be bitten by one of these things 
And uh, she takes off out of the, her, her house, which appears to be inside a hollow tree. So much like the Kibor elves, I would think. Then we will make our own. Farewell, my love. Look for me in a fortnight's time. And Brynja goes off. And her husband watches her uh, galloping into the dusk and uh, thinks to himself, Fare you well indeed, my love. I will count the minutes until your safe return. And we shift scenes and it's you know back to Brynja. And instead of her leaving, going off into the, the sunset, we actually have her approaching uh, a new place. And uh, she's not saying anything, but we get a little bit of conversation here. There's a couple of guards and they're standing outside of a, a castle or a longhouse or something. And the two guys are, I guess they're guys, trolls, whatever they are, talking to each other. There's something fishy about this whole setup, I say. Money's too easy. That's the truth of it, Merg. But if they're handing out gold, I'll take my share. And maybe some of yours. Ha! Uh, did you hear something? You're as jumpy as an old woman. Maybe I'd kill you and take your share, Throck. Throck? And Throck seems to have vanished. Merg turns around and he sees Brynja standing there. We see a sword swiping. And uh, yeah, Merg is no more. And she's standing there with a bloody sword. And she goes striding into this, this hall and says, Hello, Merker, are you there? Merker, bastard lied to us. He's not here. And a voice comes from behind her. Oh, but I am. And we see a guy he's dressed up all in armor, completely covered from head to toe, like kind of a Darth Vader-like. He's got a strange sort of uh, almost Darth Vader-like helmet, but he's, he's not dressed like Darth Vader, promised. And he's got a like a, a horned helmet, and he's, um, yeah, kind of an imposing figure here. Mirker, says Brynja, and she whips around and whacks it with a sword. How did I not sense you? It doesn't matter. What does matter is that you are alone. Where's Ring? Home with the child. Is that a problem? No, not after watching your success this evening. They were bumblers. They were, in fact, highly skilled fighting trolls. The task is yours. Were I you, I should take a few armed associates with me, preferably some without families. And the payment? Half now and half afterwards is agreed? This time you ask a much higher price than money, but killing a dead god is fraught with peril, indeed. Drifa will be immortal before you leave this ruin. Good. If you are successful, I will set her body beyond all harm. It is a high price, Brynja. Fail me, and I'll see to it that your daughter spends her eternity in torment. And Mirker starts to dissolve into ectoplasm, sort of into green mist. And Brynja's like, what? Mirker! Damn, vanished without a trace, and I still don't know. And a voice comes from behind, and it's obviously uh, Mirker. Yes, you do, Brynja. Now you know what I know. The knowledge you need to find Cliffborg. And he touches her head, or I should say, it looks like he kind of grabs her head. And there's a, a um, like a crack of energy. It says, to crack. 
and breach its entrance, he says. And she whips around with her sword. And this is all happening really, really fast. So he touches her head and then she's immediately whipping around with a uh, slatch and manages to cut off a piece of his robe. And we hear a disembodied voice because, you know, he's gone. He's not getting hurt by her. Very good. No one has ever cut my robe before. Perhaps you will succeed after all, he says, as his voice fades out. And we then shift scenes. We are three days later, and she is riding through a very desolate landscape. Of course, all the landscapes have been pretty desolate so far. Um, they're just kind of like these flat deserts with scraggly trees everywhere. And it says that all about the Traveler is in deathly silence. And she is thinking to herself, Even after so many years, the blackened fetch is barren. No grass grows, no birds sing. Any town that survives at the fetch's edge must be harder than the ice rime of a Jotun's heart. I should find those I need here. And she comes to a little village, and it looks like some unsavory sorts kind of hanging around in the village. And she's thinking... If they're sober enough, she alights from her horse and ties her horse up to a uh, a post that looks like a uh, green lantern. It actually looks like Tomari or something like that. And she walks into a, uh, a uh, I guess, a bar, a saloon. And it, it even kind of has the same kind of a, like saloon doors almost as, as they would in an old Western. And she creaks open the door and it goes, creak. And I get, everyone turns to look. It says, all about the traveler's deathly silence again. And she's standing in the door, and there's all these unsavory characters sitting around. They look kind of frightened or wary or something. I'm looking for assassins, she announces. I have gold. And a uh, turtle sort of creature, troll, I don't know what it is, but uh, he comes up and says, Ha! I'll take your gold, bitch! And you in the barg. And his head has been severed from its body, lands on the ground with a thunk, and blood spurting out. And she says, Let me begin again. I'm looking for assassins. And we then shift scenes yet again. And it says, Six days later, and we see Brynja, and she's in charge of a, a group of warriors. Looks like there's one, two... Three, four, five, it looks like seven. There, there could be more. And they're, they're riding, it looks like horses, and some of them are kind of creatures that she's riding on. One guy looks like a, one of these turtle guys is riding a big lizard sort of thing. And she's in the lead. And she says, The Virger gates have brought us far. We should reach Cliffborg tomorrow. We'll need to be fresh. We'll camp here in the forest tonight. And they, you know, start a fire. And they're, they're kind of all tying up their horses and stuff. And somebody says, uh, I sleep well, harlot. It'll be the last night you'll ever see. And, and this uh, turtle guy is, is shut up by his friend. Hrith, shut up. You weren't there. She struck like lightning. And killed my brother. I'll take her gold as my wear guild and leave her body for the maggots. Shh, she'll hear you. So what? No woman, not even a black elf hellcat, can kill me. And we shift to her sitting next to the fire, kind of in a lotus position, staring into the fire. 
And we shift scenes yet again, and we hear a scream. And it's uh, the little girl, Drifa, and she's had a dream, and we see what she's dreaming about. We see a figure, a uh, muscular figure of, uh, I don't know, could be the dead god that they were talking about. And it's uh, obviously a dead person of some sort. He's got um, a muscular body, which is kind of different like moldy colors, orange and green and, and Apache. The face is mostly skeletonized. Uh, we have you know, long white hair kind of dripping down. Or I say drifting down. We have kind of long white hair on top of the head, a skull. And this uh, person, uh, this corpse, is very firmly chained into place. You see a bunch of chains and there's a very ornate sort of harness system. And the chains are all drawn, you know, completely taut. So they're obviously trying to trap this this person or whoever in place before they died. And uh, we see that the the uh, person who screamed is actually the little girl, Drifa. And the father comes in. Drifa, what? The stone god. He's alive. It's all right, Snowflake. I'm here. I've seen him, Papa. I know he's alive. It was just another nightmare, Drifa. But Mama will be fine. Be at peace, my little one, and sleep without care. I will safeguard your dreams. And she falls asleep again. And it says, after a few moments, silence once again descends upon the house of assassins. But we see that uh, that Rang is not, um, yeah, he's, he's, it looks like he's a little un- uneasy here. We shift scenes again back to uh, Brynja and her army here. And they're on the, like the edge of a cliff. And the, the horses seem nervous. And some of them are actually horses, it looks like. And they're, they're not all monsters. Some of them are actually horses. And one of the, the uh, people is with her says, My horse is wild, Brynja. Where are we? Your horse is wiser than you, Karaz. We are there. Cliffborg, the fortress at the edge of the worlds. And there's this enormous building in front of them. And it's all very, uh, very Viking in style. It's got the sort of peaked roofs like the Viking longhouses had. But it's really ornate. I mean, this is Kirby levels of ornate here. And it's just the, the like a, a palace of unimaginable size. And there's a tiny little trail like a little bridge leading to the front gate. And they start going down there, and she says, Come, the ramparts are ringed with spells. If we are to break in, it must be here at the postern. And they come up to a uh, a door, and the door is, um, well, it looks like just a, a big portal, but it's got a dial sort of thing in the middle, and the dial has what looks like a hammer. It's uh, bolted to it, and it's... Um, the very typical sort of Thor's hammer, kind of like you see in the uh, the logo for our show. And it is bolted into place, and it's all like a dial, which is held in place again by chains that are all stretched out taut. And one of the soldiers is like, What's that thing? Really? You don't know? It is a relic. A relic of the dead. But once it was an object of great power, we must be cautious. Cautious? I knew a woman couldn't stick it. Flinch at a damn door. Ha! 
and this big uh, turtle guy comes in. He's got a spear in his hand, and he uh, puts the spear behind the, the dial, and he says, I'll show you how to break a lock. And he starts to pry at the uh, the dial, and it starts to make a clicking noise, and we have a glow coming off the hammer, and he's like, back off, it's giving. And then there's a huge explosion, big uh Brakakakathoom, the very, very uh, nice uh, sound effect there. And it uh, hurls the guy back and looks like it fried him and he's just laying on the ground smoking here. Hrith was a prophet. No black elf hellcat did kill him. Stand clear. I have been given words of power to break the seal. And so... uh, Brynja starts to cast a, some sort of a spell. And we in the captions, we have... Um, Shatter chains of iron. The gates dark. Secrets open now before us. And we, we have a, a burst of energy kind of flying from her into the, the door. And we then see the hammer, which has been uh, freed from its dial sort of thing. And it's laying on the ground and, and there's smoke coming up off of it. So apparently the spell has worked. And one of the other soldiers is like, Why why didn't you stop Hrith? To what end? I'd have had to kill him eventually. Like his brother, he was too stupid to live. Be smarter than he was. Don't touch the hammer and draw your swords. You're about to start earning your gold. And they start to go in the door... And one of the soldiers like, it's getting colder. Who was that? We must be walking all the way to hell. Is that a light? And they see lights coming from a chamber. And they enter the chamber and we see this enormous room. And it's lit by braziers and the sort of um, big globes. And we see Kirby space and lots of Kirby crackle, which is something I'm not used to seeing in Simonson's art. And there's a bunch of, uh, I don't know, statues of birds or something along the stairway. And the, the layout of this page makes it look like a, a helmet. Like you have a place for the nose and the eyes and all that. But, but that's just a, it's obviously a, a layout a composition sort of thing. And they uh, go up these stairs and they come to a dead end and they are in a chamber in a chamber which is strewn with chains. And these chains are stretched taut and they are attached to a harness and they are holding the corpse of a dead god. And this is exactly what Drifa had had her nightmare about. And we see the corpse of Thor sitting in this giant throne held by the chains. And we have a to-be-continued. And that is Ragnarok number one. And of course, I will have a few things to say about this right after this message. Do you have unexplained mood swings? Do you have difficulty communicating with others? Do you exert a fishy odor? Do you experience undue aversion to flames or revulsion of bonfires? Have you suffered from long periods of amnesia or unexplained blackouts? Do you like to toot your own horn, speak of yourself in Shakespearean tones, or sound like Dean Warmer in Animal House. Are you a sociopath? Have you senselessly slaughtered innocent undersea creatures? Is your family tired of every vacation having to be to the beach or on a cruise ship? 
Do you have a secret collection of green fish scale speedos? Then you may identify with the subject of our new podcast, Imperious Rex, Confessions of a Serial Surface Invader. Longer than a whale, he can swim anywhere. He can breathe underwater and go flying through the air. Atlantis is the Prince of the Deep. Join us each week as we review the next installment from Prince Namor, The True Submariner's Adventures in Tales to Astonish, starting with the quest in issue 70 and moving forward through the Silver Age of Marvel Comics. Check out our blog at serialsurfaceinvaders.tumblr.com for a new show every two weeks or so and a steady stream of ridiculous aquatic content. And please, if any five or more of the above conditions apply to you, Seek professional help. And we are back. And, of course, they have a few things to say about this issue. And I've been making random comments here as we go, obviously. What a gorgeous piece of work this is. Uh, You know, there's a lot of people out there who say that Simonson's work has gotten worse over time. And as his style has matured and has changed, it's become less appealing. I disagree with that entirely. I think this whole issue is absolutely gorgeous. Let's, let's talk about that, though, for a second, because that's something that a lot of people are always going to think about. A lot of artists, their styles have changed over time. And when you've been in the business for as long as somebody like Walt Simonson, I think it's inevitable that your style will change over time. If you look back at his early stuff, like the Manhunter stuff that he did for DC, it's a far cry from the stuff that he did on Thor at Marvel in the 80s, which is, again, a far cry from this. But it doesn't make that stuff any worse. There is some stylization that has crept in, just like with Kirby's stuff. You remember Kirby started off as a more realistic artist at the very beginning and became you know, the classic Kirby that we all know. So we know that artists, even great artists, can move and grow. And that's certainly the case here. There's nothing wrong with the art in here. This is fantastic art. It's beautiful art. You can see that that Simonson has done some reference work here as far as the various designs of things. And it's not evident all through, but it's evident in certain key things like the design of this horse creature that, uh, that uh, Brina is riding. And then some of the, the architectural elements that we have in, the, in, in Cliffbjorn. So, you know, we're seeing a lot of this stuff, you know, it's, it's kind of familiar at the same time because we saw elements of this back in the Marvel store when Simonson was drawing that. But it's just a, a really interesting take on this. Obviously a different kind of Thor. The hammer looks completely different. We have characters that we've never heard of that are basically have taken the lead role here. Now, I think that uh, that may change as we go through the story, but that's okay. I mean, that, that's, that's just all part of it. And I have to say, I can't wait to see what happens next. This is going to be a really, really interesting read. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that right out now. As far as the story goes... Very decompressed, and I I understand that is kind of the way that things are now. It's definitely not as dense as the stuff that that Simonson has done in the past. But, you know, again, with a, a series like this, the art is really what it's about. We have an artist who's writing it, and he is primarily an artist. And though he does some really good writing, too, it's really more about 
about this beautiful book and how it looks. And the whole book is fantastic looking. Uh, the coloring beyond any pale of any Thor story that I've seen before. Though we have seen a few that come close. I think the Blood Oath comes to mind. Laura Martin is, is really at the top of her game here. This is really, really nice stuff. John Workman's letters. Hey, I mean, he's always been a good letterer. There's not a lot new here, obviously. There's not even all that much dialogue when you really think about it. There's a lot of double page, a lot of single page spreads where the art is really showcased. That makes it a little bit hard to cover from my point of view because I have to describe what's going on and it's 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 sometimes difficult to describe what the artwork is showing. I would definitely recommend that, that if you're listening to this and you want to follow along, go out and get the hardcover. Or if you have the original issues, follow along the original issues. I don't, so I'm not sure. I'm not sure if there's extra stuff in the hardcover or not. So, uh, you know, but um, this is one of those series where it might be a good idea to follow along if you can, just because a lot of this is about the magnificent artwork and not so much about the story. At this point, we're just getting started in the story. Okay, so I guess it's about time to wrap it up for this week. Once again, folks, thanks very much for listening. We really do appreciate it. And as always, you can get a hold of us at RadioFreeAsgard at gmail.com. You can also find us on the Facebook. Just look for us there and you will find us. And don't forget, we have a Twitter too. Look for us at Radio Free Asgard on Twitter. And with that, we are back across the Rainbow Bridge, back to Midgard, because I don't want to go into this uh, cliff-borne place. Uh, No, no. (laughs) And we'll see you next time here on Radio Free Asgard. You have been listening to Radio Free Asgard, a production of Tom Harris USA Productions, which is totally responsible for its content. The Mighty Thor and all associated characters are mostly copyright Marvel Comics. The stories presented are done so for educational, review, and entertainment purposes only. No ownership is implied. The silly voices, however, well, they're all me. Musical selections from Eden, the Invincible Sword of the Elfsmith, are copyright Mott's Vent and are used with permission. If you like what you've heard on the show, we hope you'll leave us a review on iTunes, tell your friends, or even join our Facebook group. We really love hearing from our listeners, and we appreciate all of your support. Thanks once again very much for listening to Radio Free Asgard.